Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press one. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press two. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply we talked about it last night you won this game before the kickoff all you did was finish it, okay? Yeah. How many of you know victory loves preparation? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I saw it Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday in practice. Hey, hey. Be behind us, be behind us, be behind us. Nobody getting in our way. Nobody. Let's go. We the boss on three. One, two, three. We Woo! Yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Rivers gives to Strolls, angling left. Got Hand it. room. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Jackpot! He got it! He got it! He got it! The play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha <laughs> ha Touchdown, Antonio Gates! 112 career touchdown catches. That's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that if people would have figured it out, I'd just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. Let's go! What's up, guys? Your boy is back. Holding it down. Episode 2 of the Score More Podcast. They let me back in the door. They try to keep your boy down. Can't do it. They let me back in. Who knew I'd make it to two episodes? Only one way to go from here, right? I don't know which way that is. Depending on how much you loved episode 1, it's either down because you loved it, or you hated it and you're a fan of ASMR, and I can only go up from here. Either way... Thanks, everybody, for tuning in for episode two after a Chargers win, now one and one on the year. We'll talk about the Rams coming up, of course. Week three, big matchup in L.A., which will be an away game for the Chargers, technically. So, before we get started, you guys really do know how to make a man feel welcomed. Lots of kind words for your boy here. 
Appreciate it. My score Morrington's. My score morons. Score morons! Yes! Oh, man. Is that going to stick? Oh, man, is that going to stick? You don't even know. Hashtag score morons. That's you guys. Because let's be honest. We're all a little dumb, you know? I mean, even me. I'm going to entertain the hell out of you. But come on. Let's not take ourselves so serious. So thanks, score morons. I appreciate it for making me feel welcome. All the great feedback. You know, starting this thing, doing my own solo pod. Didn't know how it was going to go. But man, better than expected. Not only just like the amount of listeners, but the amount of feedback. Thank you. Honestly. I mean, I think, you know, I, I get it with the Lightning Round podcast. People do it and thank us for stuff. And there's been a lot of kind words there too. But man, just overwhelming the amount of support I got. So thank you, everybody. And I know that some people find it annoying when you're thanking people on a podcast and it's not entertaining to listen to. But come on, let's be positive for once. Thank you. You guys did something nice for me. I'm doing something nice for you and saying thank you and that I appreciate it. So thank you very much. But we do have to talk about something. I got some grade A haters. Now listen, that's nothing new. People aren't going to love what you do all the time. But you know who you don't expect it from? Your own people. It's always one of your own, right? Listen, Kyle Posey... Matthew Stanley, I've had some choice words for your boy over here. This is only episode one, and now we got a beef. This is just like Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly. You've seen the news, right? You've heard the tracks, right? Now, first off, I didn't make a track, but don't think I can't battle rap both those clowns under a table. So let's talk about it. And it starts with Kyle Posey. You guys know Kyle. Writes over for Bolts from the Blue. He might not do that anymore. Maybe he does. I don't know where he's at. But you guys know Kyle Posey. I know you haven't listened to it, but he's got a podcast on Monday. And with all the things that have gone right this week and all the nice words I've heard throughout the week, KP's got to drop a bomb on me. And he goes, hey, is there a way that I can listen to all these shows, meaning all the podcasts on this Bolts from the Blue podcast network, meaning Stanley show, his show, Lightning Round, my show, Stanley and Michael Peterson's other show on Saturday. He said, is there any way I can listen to all these in a row without having to manually skip yours each time? Listen, let's talk about it. You're going to come for me, Kyle Posey? Hey, Posey, you don't want that. Hey, Posey, what's the name of your podcast? Three Drink Minimum? What are we drinking? Bleach? Because that's what I want to drink anytime I listen to your podcast. You know what the title of your podcast should be? Three Minute Maximum. Because that's about how long I have to listen to your podcast before I switch it off. Because it's trash. And I'm not even talking about the quality of your podcast. In fact, let me give you an impression. Here, this is, this is my impression of Kyle Posey. And every time we do a live draft show or some kind of wrap-up show or preview show, something we've done over live on YouTube, this is my impression of what Kyle Posey's feed always sounds like. You know, in fact, because you haven't heard his podcast yet, and I don't blame you for not listening, this is what his podcast sounds like now. Hey, this is for Beer Bottles on the Wall, or whatever my show name is. This is Kyle Posey. Uh, Florida State's terrible. And Derwin James is good. Who knew? Who knew? Hot take. There's nothing hot about it except the weather that I live in now. 
Go enjoy the Arizona heat, fellas. Hey, Kyle, why is it every time you do a podcast, it sounds like you're recording live on location at a Kids Bop concert? Then we got Matthew Stanley. Let's talk about it. Matthew Stanley, all these people saying nice things, and these two guys that are supposed to be my friends, guys who are supposed to be on the same podcast network, we're supposed to be co-workers, basically. We're cohorts. We write for the same site. We're doing podcasts from the same site. We're on the same podcast network. Matthew Stanley, who's got a show on Wednesday and Saturday because we can't get enough of Stanley. And, of course, we can't get enough of Michael Peterson. They have to have two shows together. Stanley says, hey, Garrett, fun new pod, man. Good jokes. My favorite one was when you said you played sports in high school. Hey, Stanley, what's the name of your guys' podcast? Rest of the West? Should be called Two Men with Breasts. Two dudes with big old titties on their chest. Hey, Stanley. Hey, Peterson. How about you make like Vontae Davis and do us all a favor and go ahead and quit halfway through your show this week? In fact, do us one better and go ahead and retire it. And I'm sorry, Mike, you got to catch a little shrapnel here. But your boy Stanley came at me. And you know a boy's got to clap back. You know what I'm saying? But also, Michael, I don't feel so bad because your Twitter name is Zone Tracks. A man who's got a Twitter handle of Zone Tracks, which makes no sense to anybody, probably deserves it, doesn't he? Doesn't he deserve a little heat? Come on, man. You think I'm just going to sit back and let you guys talk this shit? Come on, man. Hey, Kyle. Hey, Matthew. You guys don't want no smoke. Don't come on your podcast and talking shit. If you don't think I'm going to come back with it. And you know I don't like to do that. You cornered me and now I'm here. I had to respond. But in all honesty, I love Kyle and I love Matthew. I just wanted to <laughs> I just wanted to make fun of him a little bit. Roast him for a bit because that's what friends do. And I know they both have good sense of humors. I could be doing that to some of you guys on Twitter, but you guys wouldn't laugh about it. And we couldn't have fun with it and you would be mean and probably threaten me and my family. Or say something racist. But here we are on Score More, Episode 2. More shenanigans. Promise you. I don't know I'll do this every week, but when I feel the urge, or somebody comes at me on Twitter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Look, man, you got to drum up those listens. And what drums up listens more than a good old-fashioned feud? So we got one more thing to get to before we get to this Rams breakdown. And, you know, on the solo podcast... You know I gotta do it. My boy, Craig Mager, put on IR this week, which means he could possibly come back in eight weeks or so, but most likely ending his season with the Chargers and probably wrapping up his career with the Chargers, going into his fourth season, was practice squad last year, made the team this year, bottom of the depth chart, have some corners the Chargers want to develop, so unlikely Craig Mager comes back though it's a possibility and because he's my boy i gotta do a little tribute to him and just to give you guys a little backstory on why craig mager's my boy i don't know i have no idea how he became my boy it all started because during the 2015 draft me a lot like everyone else who witnessed the chargers draft that day collectively went who when they announced this little small corner out of Texas State, Craig Mager, as a third-round pick. 
Nobody understood it. And, for whatever reason, I became the only guy who watched tape on him. Which meant, because nobody else cared, he became my boy. So, in honor of my boy Craig Mager, let's remember him fondly if he does not return to the Chargers. Let's play some highlights from Craig Mager. Reeves to throw into a, a crowd and it's intercepted, tipped into the air and picked off by Craig Mager. Thank you, Craig Mager, for all you've done for the Chargers as a special teamer and, of course, your career highlights with the team. I am sorry the Chargers drafted you so high and there were such high expectations. Probably wasn't fair on you. Wasn't your fault. Wish you all the best in the future. You'll always be my boy, Craig Mager. Good luck if you don't come back to the Chargers. So now, let's get on with it. Let's talk about the Chargers' upcoming opponent, the Los Angeles Rams. So let's start with the injury report. We'll start with the Chargers, and then we'll move on to the Rams. And two names are already scratched off for this Sunday. It's right tackle Joe Barksdale and the D-end Joey Bosa. So we will see more Isaac Rochelle in place of Joey Bosa and Sam Tevy at right tackle for Joe Barksdale. Melvin Gordon is listed on the injury report, but he was a full go, so he should be okay for Sunday. Travis Benjamin was limited, which is better than he was last week, so he has a pretty good chance of playing this weekend. Derek Watt did not practice with a thumb injury. We will see how that goes. And Antonio Gates popped up on the injury report with an illness. He did not practice on Wednesday either. So we will see how both Gates and Watt work out for Sunday. Travis Benjamin has a chance of playing Sunday. Melvin Gordon is a full go. Now, on to the Rams. The kicker, Greg Zerline. Yep, we're talking kickers and injuries. He is definitely out on Sunday. Mark Barron, the linebacker, also doesn't look like he will play on Sunday either. Andrew Whitworth, the tackle, basically got a rest day, so he should be good to go. The center, John Sullivan, did not practice on Wednesday. He had an ankle injury. And Michael Brockers, the defensive lineman, had a shoulder injury, and he didn't practice either. Sullivan and Brockers, two important pieces to either side of the line on offense and defense. So we will see how it goes on Sunday. But interesting that those two names popped up. All right, so the Rams are 2-0. They are now the favorite to win the Super Bowl just two weeks into the year. The Rams have the best odds and 5-1 to to win the Super Bowl. And if you watch the first two games... You get a pretty good idea why, and if you look at any power ranking among the NFL, you'll see the Rams won at the very least two, but they look to be the best team in the NFL two weeks into the season. So this is a big test for the Chargers' offense and defense and special teams. Let's talk about all three, and we'll start with the Rams' offense. Rams have scored 30-plus points in back-to-back games so far. They've played the Raiders and the Cardinals in Week 2. Sean McVay is going to run this defense rampant, and that's kind of what he does. He's going to scheme to get guys open. A lot of what we saw in week one where the Chiefs ran a lot of motion, a lot of RPO, some sweeps, that's a lot of what McVay's going to do against the Chargers on Sunday. So you're going to see a lot of the same game plan, a lot of misdirection. You're going to see a lot of things happening at the line of scrimmage before the ball's even snapped, and the Chargers are going to have to figure it out and figure it out in a hurry. Now before we get to their running back, Todd Gurley, You know, we're going to see a lot of the three wide receivers run the ball between Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. They've got some speedy receivers, so you're going to see a lot of balls handed off to wide receivers as well. 
a lot like what the Chiefs did with Tyreek Hill and a few of their other wide receivers. It's exactly what they did in Week 1 against the Raiders. Expect a lot more of that on Sunday against the Chargers in Week 3. So, we'll get to the wide receivers in a minute, but just to kind of tell you, you know, look, there's going to be a lot of motion, and you're going to see a lot of guys running in different spots on the field, and that's what McVay does. And a lot of times they're going to hand the ball off, and they can hand it off to any guy, whether it's Cooks, Cup, or Woods. Got to account for them. And guys are going to have to stay disciplined, stay in their lanes, have gap integrity. There's going to be a lot going on. They're going to have to play smart on Sunday. And honestly, they're going to have to play a complete game. So moving on to Todd Gurley. I mean, listen, everybody knows Todd Gurley. His vision and patience, his ability to shake one loose in the open field is why he's one of the best backs in the NFL that's why the Rams paid him the money in the offseason. That's why he got his contract. And then the five big uglies up front that have just been getting pushed in the first two games between Brandon Meebane, Darius Phylong, along with Justin Jones and Damian Square, they're going to have to work hard and win their matchups up front trying to contain Todd Gurley. You know who's having a hell of a season, by the way, for the Rams? Is their right guard, Austin Blythe. He took over for Jamon Brown, who was suspended for the first two games of the year, and Brown might not get a job back. You'll probably see Blythe on Sunday, too. He has played very, very good at the right guard spot. Between this offensive line, they've got some big bodies and some real players. They had some early hiccups and run blocking early on, but they really made up for it as pass protectors. Todd Gurley hasn't really got going. He didn't really in Week 2. He did in Week 1 against the Raiders, but, you know, a couple broken plays, and that's what Todd Gurley does. But as a whole, in this offensive line, they've... You know, there's been some bumps in the road in run blocking. Still not bad, but, you know, a little bit inconsistent. Pass blocking, they've been great. Uh, between the two tackles, Andrew Whitworth and Rob Havenstein, they're going to have to beat them off the edge, and they're going to have a hard time beating them off the edge, especially when you don't have Joey Bosa, who won't be there for Week 3. And you've got Melvin Ingram, who teams seem to be double-teaming and sending an extra guy his way. So Isaac Rochelle, Chris Landrum... We're hoping for a bounce-back game against the Bills. Neither one of them really got pressure. They've got other pressure from other spots. You know, Derwin James getting a sack. Damian Square got a sack. Ingram got his two. But somebody else is going to have to step up again this week because they're going to have a tough time on one-on-one matchups. If they're going to send two guys Melvin Ingram's way, they're going to have problems. So just, you know, just like they did in Buffalo, they're going to have to get creative blitzing, use other guys in other areas, Des King, Derwin James, get pressure on Jared Goff. Now, the quarterback's been fine this season. Goff isn't a quarterback that you're particularly scared of, especially of him going out and beating you. But he does enough to win games, especially with the cast he has around him and that defense and that special teams. So to rattle Goff, you have to speed things up. Jared Goff has the league's fifth worst pass rating on third down with 52.3. And you see a lot of that. If you send blitzes, you send the house, get creative, and kind of create some pressure on Goff, he'll make some bad decisions. And to be honest, through two games, he's been holding on to the ball a little bit too long. So you can shake him up a little bit. If the Chargers do what they did in Buffalo and get aggressive with Goff, more times than not, he's going to rush a throw. But you also have to account for the fact that McVay will then speed things up if you're then just setting the house on every third down. He's going to get the ball out of Goff's hands quickly. He did it in game one. In the second half, when the Raiders were getting pressure on Goff. So you can't be predictable, is what I'm saying. Gus Bradley has got to get creative. He's got to find ways to get pressure on Jared Goff. But he also cannot be predictable because McVay will out 
coach you and coach the pants off you if you become predictable and he can figure you out early. Now, that's a tall task. McVay is a very good coach and a very good coordinator, a very good offensive mind. So that might be a tall task, but got to get creative, got to put some pressure on Jared Goff. I talked about the whiteouts a little bit earlier, and this is the matchup the Chargers are going to have to show. They learned from in week one with Tyreek Hill because they got three quick wide receivers, Brandon Cooks, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, the three Rams wide receivers. They cannot drop into a soft shell with these three receivers because they will just eat up yards. And this might be one of those games that Derwin James might have to cover more and help guys out from getting beat. You know, he was near the line of scrimmage, and they got aggressive and kind of took the kitty gloves off of Derwin James in Week 2 against Buffalo because they knew they could. This week, I'm not sure they're going to be able to do that. You know, he, he hung near the line of scrimmage a lot in Buffalo, but that's only because they knew that the Chargers DBs could take care of themselves. They're going to need all hands on deck on Sunday. And while we're talking about wide receivers and receiving in general, Todd Gurley's one of the better receiving backs in the league. This is going to be a big test for guys like Kaiser White. He's going to be one of those guys who's going to have to account for Gurley out of the backfield. Gurley is not only dangerous on the ground, but through the air. And the Chargers have done well on paper to stop the opposing running backs, having given up more than 50 yards in two games with Kareem Hunt and LaShawn McCoy. I would say that that's because both those games kind of went sideways and the Chiefs just kind of went back to Tyreek Hill, didn't need Kareem Hunt, and the Bills were down early. And they needed to throw the ball a lot. So, look, they did enough to shut down McCoy and Hunt. This week will be a big test. We'll see if they're for real. I'm not convinced quite yet. But on paper, look, nobody's got over 50 yards on the ground. So that's good. That's a good start. Let's see week three against Todd Gurley. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Now, offensively, the biggest weak point for the Rams are their tight ends. Neither Gerald Everett nor Tyler Higbee got involved at all in the offense, and so far they haven't really needed him. They both went catchless in Game 1. They combined for two catches and 20 yards and a touchdown in Game 2. But that's like nothing. No production from your tight ends. They're being mostly used as blockers. Everett and Higbee were big potential big play tight ends coming out of college. Neither one of them has really showed it yet. Not really given a chance either, but so far this year, this is the biggest weak point of their offense. And again, they haven't really needed them. So if you're looking for a chink in the armor on the offense, I guess you could say tight end, but they've got some weapons. Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks can really spread a defense out and can get behind DBs just like Tyreek Hill. Brandon Cooks had 159 yards on seven catches against the Cardinals. He caught a 57-yarder in Week 2. He caught a 30-yarder in Week 1 against the Raiders. Brandon Cooks is still making big chunk plays. And this offense really likes to drag out possessions. 
The Rams bleed out clock. They wear you down. They wear down your defense. And they keep their defense fresh. They let Wade Phillips just sit back, kick back, and relax. Coach up his defense on the sideline. While the Rams offense slowly beats you into the ground. That's what they've done in two weeks. They kind of got caught up in a shootout in the first half against the Raiders, but then took control and just bled out the clock and let that defense take care of itself, and they did, and they won that game. And then against Arizona, the Rams' defense were on the field for 35 total snaps. 35 total snaps for that whole defense. They were fresh. They were ready. The Cardinals put up an egg in Week 2. They could score no points. So that's what they're going to want to do on Sunday, and that's going to be controlling the clock. They like to beat you down, get out in front, make you throw the ball in these DBs, and then when that happens, you're going to struggle to win. So for the Chargers, they're going to really need to jump out in front early, keep it close, so you don't have Phillip Rivers playing hero ball against this defense. Because if he does, just rewind to last year when the Chargers played the Kansas City Chiefs. Rivers got careless with the football, and the Rams' newly acquired corner, Marcus Peters, formerly of the Chiefs, Picked Rivers off twice in Week 2. Then their second matchup picked him off again. So this is a time where Rivers cannot play hero ball. He can't beat Chuck and Duck Phil. And he's got to play smart and take care of the football. So it's going to be a long day for Rivers if they have to play from behind, throw into these DBs, Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters, which we'll get to in a little bit. they got to get out in front. they got to keep it close. Now this offense is the fifth Ranked offense in yards per play. The Chargers are actually third, so they're higher than the Rams offensively. But the Rams also have a top five defense in yards per play allowed. They currently are fifth, allowing five yards per play. Chargers aren't even top five in that category. So let's go ahead and get in this Rams defense. The Rams defense have given up 13 points in two weeks. They recently shut out the Cardinals in their Week 2 matchup. Gave up 13 points to the Raiders. And it all starts up front. Aaron Donald and Adamican Sue. We don't need to spend too much time on that. Everyone here is familiar with Aaron Donald and Adamican Sue. Throw in the end Michael Brockers, who's recorded a half a sack in both games so far, and this Chargers offensive line has a tall task on Sunday. Mike Pouncey's had a good start to the season. Dan Feeney bounced back this last week from his poor week one performance, and they are facing the best defensive interior in football. Between Pouncey, Feeney, and the right guard Michael Schofield, the Chargers did an excellent job blocking up front against Star Latulale, Kyle Williams, and Harrison Phillips on the Bills last week. This week is an even bigger ask. Hopefully they can continue their good interior play, but you have to wonder when Forrest Lamp is coming in. When is he even going to be active is maybe a bigger question, but then once he is active... How long do you run Sam Tevy out at right tackle? Because he drafted Forrest Lamp in the second round. He was a first-round pick in most people's opinion. Most people ranked him much higher than where he was drafted, and he was supposed to be the future of your offensive line. I understand that is a slow rollout with Forrest Lamp, and they don't want to get him on the field till he is healthy. But if he is healthy, get him into the lineup. Let the young man learn. Because at this point, it's not like you have somebody serviceable taking over his spot. So whether you want to play Forrest Lamp out at right tackle and not move anything else around and just take Sam Tevy off the field, or you want to kick Michael Schofield out to right tackle like he did last year and kick Forrest Lamp inside at guard, you can do that too. 
But at some point, the Chargers are going to need some help. This offensive line has struggled in the first two games. I know I just got done saying Pouncey and Feeney have done better, and Pouncey has had a very good year. And Okung has done pretty good outside of his performance in Week 2. They need some help, and Forrest Lamp is there. So at some point, they need to play him. I'm hoping the Chargers are now currently working him into the starting lineup in practice, kind of shuffling Forrest Lamp in to see how he plays. But this is going to be a tough day for the offensive line. The Rams' defensive line is impressive. And like the Chargers, they haven't given up more than 50 yards on the ground to a running back this year. But even as good as the Rams' defensive line is playing right now, it is not even as good as its secondary so far. The Rams' secondary has yet to allow a passing touchdown this season. It all starts on how good these corners are playing. And as Charger fans, you know who these guys are. The former AFC West corners, Marcus Peters, formerly of the Chiefs. Of course, Aqib Tlaib, formerly of the Broncos. Combined, have allowed 37 yards in two games. That is insane. You then throw in their slot corner, Nikel Roby Coleman, who excels in that role in the nickel and one of the best slot corners in the league last year when you're seeing all the rankings for Des King and how good he played in the slot. You know what name was always above Des King? Roby Coleman. He was excellent. And so they got him playing in nickel. They've got Peters and Tlaib on the outside. And Tlaib and Peters have given up nothing to the Raiders wide receivers or the Cardinals wide receivers this past Sunday. Their safety, John Johnson, was all over the field against the Cardinals, leading the team in tackles, was second on the team in week one. John Johnson is playing lights out right now. He's looking very sharp in coverage. He leads the team in pass deflections, and he's one of the three guys to pick off Derek Carr in week one. John Johnson, another talented DB in that secondary, another guy that's going to be trouble on Sunday. Now, the good news for the Chargers is that the weak point on this defense is the Rams' linebacking core, and that's the same position group the Chargers picked on last week against the Bills. The Rams are most likely going to be without Mark Barron this weekend, and the team will roll out with Rameek Wilson to take his spot. Their best linebacker right now is Corey Littleton, who the Rams do not take off the field. He is in on every single package. He will play 100% of the snaps if he needs to. He's taken out in Week 2 only because it was a big blowout, but Week 1, 100% of the snaps. So, for the Chargers, they're going to have to photocopy the offensive game plan from last week and apply it against the Rams. In Week 1, the Raiders tight end Jared Cook had 9 catches for 180 yards, almost all of that in the middle of the field. The next best Raiders receiver was receiving back Jalen Richard. He also had 9 receptions for 55 yards, most of that damage coming out of the backfield and in the middle of the field. This is another big opportunity for Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler to be the receivers out of the backfield and make the Rams linebackers run and cover. You saw what a game Melvin Gordon had last week against the Bills. He has an opportunity to do that again this week. Won't be as easy, I don't think, because he had three pretty open touchdowns. He had a wide-open running lane for his first touchdown, and then the second touchdown where Tremaine Edmonds was trailing by like 5, 10 yards. That was easy. And then when Rivers gave Milano that haircut, on the wheel route on that third touchdown. It's going to be tough going, but they have a real opportunity to do some damage. And if you're getting the ball to Eckler and Gordon, you're getting the ball out of Rivers' hands quickly, and you're avoiding that Rams' interior pass rush. So, win-win. Hit the middle of the field, quick passes, get Eckler and Gordon involved a lot on Sunday, 
you can do some good things. Not only will you get some mismatches with Gordon and Eckler lined up on some linebackers, you're probably going to see a heavy dose of Virgil Green again this week, and you'll probably see a lot of crossers in the intermediate part of the field with Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams again this week. In Week 2, the Cardinals couldn't really get anything done offensively, but Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk did most of their damage from the slot, running in the middle of the field while the Rams were in zone. Granted, they went 28 and 27 yards respectively, which is nothing in the grand scheme of things, but the option is there for the Chargers in the middle of the field. They took advantage of the one spot where they were weak, and their weak link is in the middle of that defense. So let's talk about special teams. And it's an interesting one because the kicker, Greg Zerline, is out this week. Greg DeLeg, the best kicker in football, I think the best field goal kicker in football, is out. They recently signed Sam Ficken to replace him, so the Rams will not have their starting kicker. That'll be something to watch on Sunday, of course. They had their punter, Johnny Hecker, who, of course, is one of the best punters in football, kicking field goals when they got really, really close. But other than that, they were going for everything on fourth down. So it'll be interesting what happens with the Rams when they get into field goal range and how much they trust the newly signed kicker, Sam Ficken. The Rams returner, Farrell Cooper, played in week one, went down with an ankle injury. He's headed to IR. So in week two, they got this little guy named Jojo Natson, And Natson is dangerous. He returned six punts for 133 yards on Sunday, recorded a 60-yard return that game where he was tackled by the punter Andy Lee. And if he didn't get tackled, he was taking that to the house. Natson is a tiny little speed demon. He's 5'7", 150. He's out of Akron. He ran a 4'3", And uh, this is his second year in the league. They ended up picking him back up. They cut him, brought him back on when Farrah Cooper went down. And JoJo Natson is electric. So this is another speedy returner the Chargers are going to have to contain. Natson is more Tyreek Hill than he is Marcus Murphy, the Bills returner, who didn't really do much damage on Sunday. So, again, another test for the special teams because Natson looked like he could break one at any moment, anytime he touched the ball. So, another guy they're going to have to look out for. This Rams team is loaded. As far as my prediction goes, I think the Chargers end up losing this game. I think they lose it 24-16. I think the Chargers get close can't punch it in as much as they'd like to, ultimately fall to the Rams. Todd Gurley has a pretty good day, but I think this Rams team is just loaded. From offense to defense to special teams, they've got it all working, and I think McVay outcoaches Anthony Lynn. I think that they stop him early on, but McVay gets the Rams working, and they end up losing this game. This is going to be a tough one and a real test for the Chargers, so we'll see how it goes on Sunday. And that'll wrap up another episode of Score More with Garrett Sisti. I appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Thanks so much for listening last week. I appreciate you riding with me for another episode of this show. I'll watch more games, and I'm realizing that with each week, there's going to be more games to watch and more games to watch and more games to watch. And I kind of put a lot more on my plate than I originally thought I did. And I'm going to have a lot of games to watch come week 13 and there's 11 or 12 games for me to watch. So, listen, I'm doing it. I'm here for the rest of the year. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And let's just hope the Chargers score more this week. Hello. 
Hello, I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.